for the last few minutes, I invite you, if you want to uh, open the eyes and practice for a couple of minutes with the eyes open, just to see if there can be a care and a presence to the life happening now, here, with the eyes open. And noticing this, that what is it to be a human being? It's partly being touched by colors and shapes and light. It's quite an amazing thing that is happening if you have access to it. And maybe your whole system is like, no, I want to keep my eyes closed. I invite you to be courageous. And open the eyes and see if you can be there. Noticing that there's a liveness beingness happening with eyes open and that's a really good practice to integrate uh, mindfulness in daily life and so what I'm talking about the words I want to use now is like some kind of integrity so I know I'm here I know there's aliveness happening here and so much of the time I forget that and I get obsessed with how it should be where I should be now you know at the end of the the other station in the subway or when the water is boiling now as it's starting to heat, you know? Like I can easily think it's over there. And so there's a kind of integrity we can develop of being here now. Here. Not later when the bell rings or when this or Many of us has a, have a habit to abandon ourselves for the next moment. It's over there. And so there's this practice of integrity. And now I'm going to actually stay here, be awake here. Know that it, there is a liveness here happening. So changing the value systems mm-hmm. instead of valuing the next moment, later, next year, when, I get, when this is done no compromise I'm staying here and then the movement also as the body releases or the hands join whatever you do invite you to really be there sometimes even just this uh, activity of uh, I might abandon myself think that it's when it's, be- it's going to be done you know when I'll have done that you know and uh, I just abandon life for a belief that you know this, this is where it's at when this gesture is done no I can be there while I do it with integrity and why would I do that because then I, I have a more um, access to this whole system. The feedback loop is open. So if I'm talking about it with somebody, I'm going to be able to see how I'm receiving this, how it's lending <coughs> in this being. It's going to be easier to make decision. Oh no, that's not going to work for me because I'm going to be uh, resonating instead of being, you know, somewhere I don't even know where. So um, anyway, that's one way that I understand practice now these days after 20 years of practice like oh yeah 
are talking about a sort of integrity that I'm offering myself, but I'm offering this to others. I'm not some kind of like abandoned being, you know, like that's been dismissed and gone, you know. I'm there, I'm there, so I can feel, can respond from a place of uh, a light resonance. Yeah. Do you recognize a little something in it that could could be useful to explore or maybe there's something in that. Even you know before the class starts, sometimes we're there like we're waiting, you know, when the class starts, when it starts, then it's gonna be a worthy moment. And to me this this whoa, that's right there the mistake. I'm thinking it's another moment. Mistake. You know, when this person will finally say this, it might actually never. You know? Can I not abandon myself? You know? Because I'm the one abandoning myself. It's not some, you know. So today I uh, wanted to um, explore a little bit um, the um, Four Noble Truths. It's a very pithy Buddhist teaching, and maybe many of you know this in and out, but I think it's good to revisit it every few years. And I haven't heard myself use that frame uh, in the teaching in a few years, so I thought, oh, it could be good for Pascal to revisit this, and it's also nice to see, you know, how, how, what words are going to come, how is it going to be presented this time, you know? And, um, and so these four noble truths, it seems like the Buddha said there's these four truths, truths, is that the way to say it with the S? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's these four, <laughs> and uh, there's probably many truths, many more than four. You know, like one truth maybe is if you leave food outside without washing your plate at somebody, something will get rotten. You know, that might be a truth. You know, but it didn't make it to the four truths. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I think the Buddha might have thought these four truths, these particular four, are w- really worth notice- noticing. If you're interested in uh, suffering, misery, confusion, maybe stress and the end of it, the end of confusion, maybe these four really could use... Uh, uh, at care, attention, exploration, investigation, noticing. And so the first one is the truth um, of uh, the fact that when we're... And all these, that they're from a point of view of the human being, the human experience. Huh? So they're n- I don't think they're truths that talk about the nature of reality. I think my understanding of the Buddha's teaching was that he was really interested in our location, you know, it, he was saying, wow, human beings, they're, they're experiencing life from that point of view, you know, f- not from an objective, scientific, whatever we would call it, if that ever exists and is going to be possible to touch uh, one day, which it seems like more and more science is discovering that it's actually not able to touch that. 
but the Buddha seemed to be have been interested in reality from the point of view of a human being. To me, that gets really interesting. It's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm stuck there. <laughs> That's my point of view too. I want to know about it, you know. And so the the this first truth is the truth that. For human beings, human beings are often separated from what they want. Let me present it like this. And these uh, truths, we could think of them as, uh, yeah, fields of exploration, you know. Is that true? Let me check this out. So, and so, as I'm talking now, the, um, the invitation is for you to actually have integrity, to be located where you are and, and so you can experience how does these, uh, do these words resonate when you hear them do, do you recognize something in that that human beings are often separated from what they want it's a common human experience you know you want calm your mind is agitated you want ease in the body but the neck is a little like this or the lower back is a little like that you want youth and it's Escaping <laughs> by the second, <laughs> you know, you want uh, somebody to say something and they don't say it. You want somebody to don't not say something and they say it. You know, you want somebody to stay and they go. You want somebody to go and they stay. <laughs> you know, and every day, apparently, when you're a human being, unless you're in denial, you're going to be experiencing separation from what is. Uh, dear you would want to be there but you're not there yet you know you would want to know what's coming but you don't actually know but you're working really hard we, not you we are working really hard to actually organize things so we know what's coming but we actually don't so we're a little separated from what we want we would want to know what's going to happen but we can't know that or sometimes maybe your life is going. Maybe you're hearing this and like, I'm soaking in it. You don't, you know. I know this so well because I've lost this health that was so dear to me, or person, or situation. In the, f- you know, I want a harmonious family, and I get this rickety thing. <laughs> you know that it's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or uh, or sometimes maybe yeah maybe your life is going well and you and you, maybe you don't recognize this so much but sometimes when our life is going well the the, the dukkha which is the word that the buddha used uh, or that is used in the pali language language that close to the buddha let's say the dukkha is this uh, this unsatisfactory nature of experience and so sometimes the form it takes for me is that I would like to be at two places at the same time. <laughs> and it's hard to be a human being because you have only one body sometimes. You know, sometimes I don't want a body at all and I'm stuck with one. Sometimes I don't want a mind and I'm stuck with one. And sometimes I'd like to have two because I could be here, but I could also be doing something else over there that I wanted to do also. But the nature of the human experience is that this is what you get. And so although you would want to do this and, you know, have the t- I'd love to do both, you know. No, you'll have to decide in one. And so human beings are often separated from what they want. The first time I heard this um, teaching, it was 
the very first hours that I was practicing, it came with this teaching. And the way it touched me, and it was not the way it was presented, but the way it touched me was like, ah, it's not my fault. That was like the big insight for me. And the teacher was not saying this. He was just presenting it plain and simple. But the whole way I was, re- oh my God, I thought it was always me with... You know, like everything was going fine until I decided or I said that or I didn't notice this and then everything went wrong, you know. It's like, no, it's in the fabric of life if you're a human being that you'll experience frustration, separation from something you want, you know. And it's not to say that things are not, there's not pleasantness and gratification and beauty. It's there. But as we know also, maybe from experiences, that things appear and we're end up being separated from them because the chocolate bar is (laughs) invisible now. (laughs) You know? And so, wow, it's gone. And there was a beautiful meeting. Ah, And then we end up saying, oh, we have to do this again. When are we going to do this again? You know? (laughs) Because we know it's ephemeral, so that's part of it. So human beings often separated from what uh, they want. So for me, there was something liberating. They're known to be liberating uh, truths. So to hear this was like, oh, okay, it's not always the fault of somebody else, you know, or myself. It's, it's, It's the human experience that things will escape at some point or that we'll be joined with things we don't want to be joined with, you know. I'd like to have a light-hearted ha- heart, but it happens to be heavy, maybe today or this week or uh, in this lifetime, maybe it might appear like that. And uh, the other thing that I, to me, that I, 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 I think I like about naming this and recognizing this is that um, it seems like it's orienting the heart. That's how I receive this. It says like, hey, we all don't know what's coming for us. We, ac- we actually do know what's coming for us. It's coming for us. That it's going to end. You know? That s- anything that started is going to ha- end. Wow. And so what it seems to be eliciting is not a despair or sarcasm, like, oh my God, nothing is satisfying. Uh, we're always joined with uh, uncertainty and etc. It seemed to, uh, when it's received in a wise way, it opens the heart. It makes uh, compassion become alive. Wow! Look at that. That's our experience. It makes caring come alive. Wow! We should take care of each other because it's not easy to be a human being. It uh, it uh, makes also joy some somehow for me uh, more accessible because when things actually work for a little while when we are joined with uh, what is dear to us and what has been desired wanted when it does happen uh, there's a way that we can actually totally appreciate it and feel it deeply because wow right now it's good it's good and it happens in life that we meet what is dear and what is, uh, you know, either profound or, or uh, beautiful or nourishing. Yeah. And so that's the first uh, truth 
So, what does it do to you to hear this? Is it, uh, one of the things, so for me, one of the ways to talk about this is that it, uh, it seems to bring me back in humanity. Oh, so I'm one of all of us, you know, and so are you that I made the enemy or the problem. You know? Wow, you're in this too. People were in this 2,600 years ago. And in the future, human beings will experience this too. Wow. So the notion of time also can suddenly open up to something more universal. Wow. And... Uh, so often that's the way, that's the frame. It's, it becomes a frame of reference. It becomes a, a way of being mindful. So when I talk to my family members or friends or with students, it seems like it's a lot of what I hear in the stories. You know, Somebody will say, oh, I wanted to hear this from this person, but I'm not hearing it. And, or I didn't want to hear that from that person, and I heard it. You know, and that's my problem. Or I wanted this to happen and it didn't happen. Or I didn't want this to happen and it did happen. And every time I'm like, wow, human beings often separated from what they want. The stories are so particular. Exactly that story. It's very, you know, unique little story of how it unfolded, but still a universal uh, truth that is being revealed there. And so when it happens for me or for others, and that's, to, that's what compassion is, is to be able to hold it. Wow, this is what's happening for you. You're having a real, real, real human experience. Wow, incredible. What a deal, you know, that we would, you know, you're going to be a human being, and voila, you're going to be often separated from what you want. and that's that's the deal we end up in shows that it's going to take a lot of care to actually navigate that reality it's also it's really presenting a, 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 a certain view on life huh? it's not saying you can have everything you want and if you don't it's your fault <laughs> you know it's not, we're not in magical thinking here. We're like, it's very, very, I think it's real, you know, very real. Not uh, pessimistic, not op optimistic, but very, very noble shit. You know, let's, let's tell it like it is, you know. This is what's happening when you're a human being. The second truth, worth noticing apparently, is that there's a mental event happening in our minds or hearts that happens a, a lot and that is the main cause of our suffering is what we call clinging. Mm. And so it's this way the mind like freaks out. <laughs> I don't know what like grasp or gets hooked in some ways around something like a way a thing should be. Do you recognize this? It should be like this. Mm -hmm. you know? And so the truth of the cause of suffering, so maybe we could present it like this today. One of the big cause of our suffering 
that the Buddha said, I'm going to talk about four things, not five. Not I'm going to boil it down. Listen. <laughs> Listen up. I'm going to put just four things in there. Very powerful things. You could spend your whole life exploring this. You know, how to be when you're separated from what you want. You know, how to hold that for yourself, for others. And the mental event of clinging, grasping, takes the form of like owning, appropriating something that is not ours, you know. I would have liked to be somebody else. I would like to be somewhere else, to feel something else. So I cling, I grasp onto something most of the time, I think, I'm not sure. could be anything else than an idea, actually. That it should be like this, you know. And when the, the jaw goes like, like this, and it's what we do also when we reject something. It's funny that when we reject something, you would think like the gesture, like it's actually not even touching the thing. But actually what happens when we reject something is that we cling to it. We make a, Somebody says something, the words, have, they've never landed anywhere actually. They were just vibration, momentary vibration. You know, it, it was never seen or touched you know it just did that but clinging you said that in 1978 <laughs> you said that actually it's not what you said it was the tone <laughs> I'm going to cling to even something more subtle what you said was nice but, nice, but the tone at the end of the sentence <laughs> I seized it and I've been chewing on it <laughs> you know and so that uh, event the Buddha said this one I would be really interested in not judgmental about this is the practice of mindfulness just being really interested when the mind why is the bus not here now you know it's incredible it can you know and how you can do this and stay stuck like this or most of the time I think it's just like we're like little monkeys you know jumping from one clinging to another like clinging clinging so I watch myself in my even in my apartment you know yesterday morning I wasn't done there for a number of days so yesterday morning I go in the I open the, the I turn on the light in the bathroom and then I hear this tick in my bathtub, you know, it's, and my mind goes like, I don't want that reality. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have to take care of it. I have to call somebody, and I, you know, like, because I tried and it's not working, and, and I tried denial also. I tried a bunch of different techniques, <laughs> and it keeps doing the clink clink. So while for the, you know, f- 30 seconds I'm in the bathroom, I'm clinging to this, you know, like, why is life, you know, I'm, I'm not wise in that moment. I'm not like, hey, being separated from what you want, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want that reality because I clean, you know. I want another reality where there's not this sound, you know, <laughs> aggravating sound, you know. I want another, so I'm clinging to that reality. When I leave the bathroom, I'm not continuing with this. I'll just cling to something else, you know. I'll drop that with the sound disappearing. Then I'll cling to, they didn't call me back. They said they would call me back today. <laughs> they didn't call, so I'll, you know, cling to that for a few seconds. Until I cling to, oh, chocolate. It's too, it's too early. It's not even 11 o'clock. You can have chocolate yet. 
for some reason, you know, so I cling to that until I eat the chocolate. And then I'll look for another clinging thing, you know, and if I don't cling, I'll get a little anxious. My God, I have no life. You know, give me something to cling to, you know, and then I can cling to my future when I'll be alone, nobody will love me. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I can go like this if, if I'm not careful. If I'm careful, then that same activity can actually bring joy. It's like, oh, cute. Look at this mind just clung to the clicking of the, 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 you know, the bath tub. And then, ah, the mind, ah, it just found another thing to get hooked on, you know, another thing to fixate on, to, to grab. And so the, the Buddha seemed to have in, invited us to actually see clinging when it happens. You know? And, and it, there's gross forms that I probably just described now, and there's very subtle forms. The forms of eyeing and myeing is actually a form of clinging. So if I make things my, like my intelligence... Notice that I'm intelligent, <laughs> you know, and, and then suddenly it disappears, you know, because in my case it disappears very often. I mean, for many reasons. The whatever amount of intelligence is there, you know, is very shaky. You know, you you know, you say what it doesn't want to hear, and it gets confused and aggravated, and the in- nuances are gone. So that aspect of intelligence is not, you know. Give it a little jet lag, change the time, you know. Tell it it's five o'clock when it thinks it's nine, you know, and its intelligence is gone, you know. <laughs> and so, what I claim as my or I, I define myself as I. I was talking to uh, somebody a few days ago, and they were saying, uh, and they were asking how the teaching was going, and I was saying, like, really well, I love teaching and it seems like it works well and and I said but you I'm putting this in English now but they were saying oh no it's raining I don't want it to rain (laughs) (laughs) oh another opportunity for clinging it was so beautiful earlier today (laughs) but anyway they were saying but yeah you you did great you you made yourself some 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 kind of notion like this you know and and uh, I say no 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 it's uh it's not like that, you know. It's, there's so many things at play, you know. And uh, I was saying, like, for example, when I teach in Europe, I have a French-Canadian accent. It seems like people find this delightful. So it's actually... But it's not me. It's, it's cultural, you know. So it's, it's not m- I could claim it like, oh, I'm so charming. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's not like this. And the, what is the other thing that is at play? Maybe the green-blue eyes have something to do with... Uh, the fact that I get invitation here and there. Maybe it's not the whole story, but maybe it is. Maybe the fact that I'm a man plays out, you know. Maybe, uh, ah, I happen to be white-skinned, you know. Maybe that's playing out. Maybe if the skin color was different, maybe the invitation wouldn't come so quickly, you know. Uh, I don't know what. I'm teaching Buddhism. I certainly didn't make it up, you know, as its own story, you know. And so, and I was trying to unpack this for the person saying, like, you created this. I was like, actually, I don't think I created this so much, you know. There happened to be uh, abilities there that I didn't, I didn't 
order online and paid for, you know, they, they came from jeans or whatever, you know, and they're very shaky because you, you know, this, I don't know, this light-heartedness, for example, I've seen it <laughs> disappear here <laughs> and there, you know, <laughs> when the, the system doesn't get what it, wa- it wants, you know, so it's, it's very, it's shaky. And so any kind of appropriation, you know, is, is a kind of clinging that the Buddha talked about, you know. So be careful to not appropriate what is not yours because any aspect of your life is actually, it's fluctuating, but it's certainly going to go away sometimes. And that's, that will bring fear, you know. If it's mine, what will happen to it? And it should stay mine. And I was actually having a conversation with a really... Uh, uh, a friend who's dealing with, uh, I mean, she's basically dealing with uh, what could be imminent death, you know, a, a, a difficult uh, um, dis- disease. And, uh, and we were talking about how we actually appropriate life, you know, like we, this is mine, you know, it should not be uh, taken from me. You know, and the problem that comes with that, if I actually uh, have the arrogance, in a way, or the confusion, the delusion to actually uh, take as mine something that is not mine, life belongs to life. You know, and if I make it mine, so this person, this friend, is actually very courageous in the middle of her disease to actually question this, to say, hold on, maybe I'm, I'm suffering because I made a little bit of a mistake here. I clung to an idea that is wrong like a wrong view. Buddha said clinging is painful. Clinging to a wrong view, a wrong understanding of reality, this really is painful. You know? So she's questioning, like I am, wow, what is this thing about appropriating life? Like it's my life. It's, is it really mine? It seems like everything's going to prove me that it was not mine, you know, that it was happening. And it was maybe a chance that it was happening, or a precious thing, but not mine. So that's deep things, huh? this is deep things to consider, types of clinging. We cling, it means we buy, buy into an idea that is actually wrong. So why do we fear death? Why are we so aggravated about it? It might be showing that we have a wrong understanding about stuff, you know? it seemed to be absolutely natural also. And so we see why the Buddha would have said, okay, I'm going to give four truths to (laughs) grapple with or investigate, and this is one of them, clinging, clinging to things as mine, or clinging to ideas that are not true, that it should go my way. Many things have proven to us that it's not the way your life is built. Huh? It, it, sh- it shouldn't go my way. And we might have this deeply in our psyche, like this clinging to this childish idea. I'm saying this without judgment, you know, really, but ch- that makes me do inner tantrum. Maybe like socially I don't do tantrums. Because <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> it wouldn't work so well. But inside... <laughs> you know, and so uh, so that's another truth. A third one is the truth 
of, uh, of uh, nirvana, nibbana in uh, Sanskrit and in Pali. So what is that? Not a place, to not paradise. It's a mind that is not clinging doesn't experience confusion, has, has not, is not clinging to wrong ideas, wrong understanding. And so mind that is, doesn't cling to, uh, that's a form of clinging that is greed, wanting something that is not there to be there now, or to be mine when it's not. Or, so I want this thing now, I have to have it now. You know? So mind where there's no clinging. The Buddha said this, is really worth noticing when it's happening, maybe momentary nirvana, nirvana, when there's the absence of clinging, or uh, 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 something that has been uh, developed through this practice, uh, a capacity for the mind to, to not cling, to, to be cool, we could say, with things, to be able to stay in balance with the unpleasantness, stay balanced with the pleasantness instead of like, oh my God, it's so good, I need to keep it. It's like, wow, beautiful. This came together. Let me appreciate it and go. I can see as I crossed again, when I come, I cross the park. So last week, a few weeks ago, I had more of a shock to discover the new version of the park. And today I could see this clinging. It was like, oh, but it's, what is the word? A little barren? A little Mm -hmm. kind of like, I, and it's like I like that other version of the park with more trees and more volume up there, you know, and and the kind of like being contained. Like I don't like this post-nuclear <laughs> version <laughs> of the park, you know. And so the mind, and so uh, and so the absence of clinging. The Buddha said, I, "It's important to talk about this because it's possible to live without a mind that clings." It's actually totally possible. And so that makes for a complete... Although it's the same reality, still the Buddha awakened, had a problem with his foot, with his back, you know, but with a mind that doesn't cling, that doesn't do the inner tantrum, like, I want another back, foot, reality, you know, like a mind that has (coughs) acceptance, that is able to meet reality with uh, balance, without falling into despair, into reactivity, into confusion, why me? But, oh yeah, a mind that is wise, that knows the nature of reality, of course, the back will be, uh, you know, in bad shape because of this, I don't know what, this uh, uh, situation, whatever, you know. And so there's this uh, truth of uh, a mind that doesn't cling, that is actually possible, and that's why we're here. And the fourth truth is the truth of uh, the path. So the Buddha said there's a path, like that is worthy of being noticed or being aware of that truth, you know. Let's make it four, it's going to be helpful for people. (laughs) So it's a complete system in there. So he says, so the fourth noble truth, liberating, potentially liberating truth, is to actually be aware that there is a path. It's not haphazard, it's not for the rich, and not for the poor, or for the... It's not like this, there is actually a path. And it's not like, oh, 
Eckhart totally got it, but I didn't. You know, I wish my mind was open like his, you know. It's like, yeah, he got lucky, you know, he just sat on the park bench, you know, and his mind opened. But there's actually also a path that is possible to practice, to actually uh, release clinging. And so this is what we're doing here. When we come here, we're walking on this path. This path has three limbs, we could say to it. Important information. The Buddha said, if you want, if you recognize the pain of clinging mind, and you want the non-clinging mind and the liberation that comes with it, the beauty, the open heart, of a heart that can be separated from what it wants and can meet beauty with uh, care, with uh, access to joy, to compassion, to balance, you know. Uh, there's a way to have this happen. And the way is what? Non-harming, non-violence. So not being very careful at not harming oneself and others with language and sexual energy and... Uh, intoxicants and actions and the way we live lifestyle you know the work we do or the way we uh, uh, consumption the way we you know the way we use our means the things we have our money and uh, so he said non-harming the path is made of non-harming it's made of mental or heart development this is what we're doing here and it's made of wise understanding about the nature of reality. So when we come here, if it's well done, we're totally on that path because we're not harming each other here. We're not like trying to acquire stuff and get over people to, and hate, develop hate in each other. We're actually uh, trying to develop beautiful qualities that will liberate. So we're not harming each other. We're developing the heart, second limb, and the third limb is uh, we're trying to develop a wise understanding. Huh? We're talking about, for example, the first noble truth that can be a liberating understanding of the world. Oh, that's part of nature, that things end, that things are not controllable, You know that I can't control the whole situation. You know? So I hope this is... Um, helpful and clarifying, not confusing. So it's a lot of stuff, but one could decide to just focus on one uh, aspect and investigate this, oh, the clinging thing, I'm really interested in that. What is, the, what is this uh, thing? Can I experience it? So for me, the way I use it is really as a frame of reference in practice. It means that's the lens I put on when I'm practicing in life, when I'm al instead of going for what I want, I'm noticing, oh, the mind is clinging here. And so what happens in times is a change of value. Instead of valuing having what I want, I start to value the way I hold situations. So I might not get what I want, but the value is not so much that I get it. The value is how am I holding this situation because it seems like these four noble truths are pointing to that that it's not so much the situation itself it's the way it's held you know so to make it bigger for example if we think about the planet the environment the climate uh, change that is producing uh, distress on the earth 
I could be aggravated by that. But I can recognize first noble truth. Oh, I'm separated from what I want. I would want a healthy planet. And it's actually not clear that this is happening. You know? It's actually it maybe clear that it's not happening. And so there's, uh, I recognize this. Oh, human beings are often separated from what they want. Pascal, this is your experience with others. You're experiencing a planet. You're experiencing a planet that is being disturbed or damaged, maybe, and it has a lot of consequences. So, uh, is there clinging with this? If there's clinging, I'm going to be able to notice it. Like, no, I don't want this to be happening. Is this helpful? I, if I'm aware, I'm going to notice I'm losing a lot of energy by clinging. That maybe there's another way that I can actually know this, but without clinging. So what's the opposite of clinging? Is a heart that is courageous, balanced, while honest. It's true. There's some damage being done here. So instead of being in denial, despair, reactivity, all kinds of things. So you can apply this to the situation with the planet or to your family or to your own mental health or... Yeah, it, at any level, any scale, it seems to be uh, applicable. So, is there a way to not cling around this and to hold this with n a non-clinging mind? So, acceptance, compassion, courage, determination, clarity, honesty, uh, etc. Will it seems like if again, in relationship with uh, the environment, for example, or social justice, it could be this. There's some of us who are oppressed, you know, there's an imbalance in society where some people get to have privilege and some others don't. They're oppressed, they're dismissed. And, uh, and so I could cling to this. I don't want a society like this, but I can also see if I can relax into this, admit that this is how it is and with courage and balance of mind see how I can contribute to changing the world make it more a world in which I want to live and so that's the non-clinging mind and so that's the practice we're doing here we come here to develop the capacity to stay with reality and so it's it, it's um, It seems like nothing's happening. We're just sitting here. But we're actually sitting here and we're allowing for boredom to come. We're allowing for all these things to come and go. You know, doubt. What am I doing here? We're doing nothing. Or I can't do it. And others can. Or, you know, it's meaningless. You know, I should be you know, home doing, going down my list of things to do. You know. And we learn how to stay uh, stable in all these things, you know. I should be in front teaching. I know better than he does. I want to be him, you know. <laughs> you know, whatever. And allow all these movements to come and go and stay stable, stay clear, stay open. So we're developing all these beautiful qualities of mind that we'll be able to bring after in our relationships, family, society. And so a non-clinging heart or mind that can actually respond to reality, which is, first noble truth, challenging. Huh? Human beings are often separated from what they want. Any questions or comments around this?
it's also human beings also love and get attached, right? And so when and the, when it's big picture stuff, like when it's your house that got destroyed in a hurricane, yeah. and your family member that got shot in Las Vegas, yeah. And it's also I think human and normal to cling and to yeah. do all those things, and there's there must be some value in that also, like. I can't imagine that we would want human beings to just skip over that and say, oh, it's okay, my house is gone, and my breath yeah, is dead. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a beautiful area of investigation. You have to check it out for yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, so what I'm suggesting is not... What is the term you use? Like, skip over that? Or, mm-hmm. So that is not the practice that I'm suggesting. The practice that I'm suggesting is not skipping, it's not bypassing. It's actually being really awake in the heart of it. So that's why there's courage in there, that's why there's compassion. It's not skipping over at all. This is some other practice. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm actually not really interested in that. What I'm interested in is is what I understand that is taught here in this tradition, is to actually be in the middle of intimacy with. So Which could be in the middle of clinging and in the middle of... Uh, for sure there will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't cling. The practice is not that we shouldn't cling. The practice is to be aware of the nature of clinging. Is it helpful or not? And is it the way... And for, to clarify for oneself, you know, that maybe, maybe it's natural that we've been conditioned to be like this, but maybe that there's something else, there's another response that is possible that would actually n- be beneficial, and that's the way it's presented. It's beneficial for self and others. So what I'm suggesting here is that there's ways to actually be that are more beneficial for myself and others than despair. But it's not to bypass despair. If I'm despair, I'm, my practice is to be aware, like, wow, despair feels like this. Yeah? And learning in practice uh, and seeing, that's what we call insight, is to see that I can cling to something be, uh, being different. So I can come here and say, I want the old park. I want, you know, so it's just a little example, but I can cling. And if I become aware, I'm like, wow, clinging is actually... Um, not economical, you know, like, because uh, why, why did this happen here, uh, you know? And if I actually become more, I pacify my mind a little bit, I invite a little bit of acceptance. Pascal, can it be okay that this happened to the park? And that I can find acceptance in the heart and care. And so suddenly I notice that maybe I don't need the park to be the old park, that I can be with this one, and there can be an experience of ease or space, or a word we use often is freedom, with a park that is like this. Mm-hmm. And that actually can be very resonating. Like, wow, look at that. This is life. It was a beautiful park, and now it's half beautiful. <laughs> As I experience it, this is from my point of view. You know. I guess what, what I'm thinking of is that the bigger things in life than the park. And yeah. You know, in the big scheme, that's a pretty small thing. That that takes time. Oh my God, that's and a life that, of practice. And that, that time has value. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like if you take, you talk about Las Vegas, you know. So, 
and Las Vegas, you know, I imagine being there, you know, and I mean, this is going to be just a imagination, but I imagine being in panic and uh, despair and freak out. How beneficial would that be for my own safety and the safety of people around it? I would probably actually run over people and might be the cause of suffering for others, you know. And in, if in another way, like many people were there probably, they can actually feel the fear, but they have access to actually a certain kind of clarity. Let's get down, you know, and they, and they can actually assist somebody who's been hurt and carry somebody instead of like all the limbs going in all directions, freaking out, which can happen, you know. But if there's, there's access to this, it seems to me like it's beneficial. So there's no judgment in it. So if somebody's freaking out, of course they're freaking out. It's, it, everything would make you freak out. But if one has developed their mind and heart so that they can actually attend to reality and use their energy in a way that is... Uh, so instead of, for example, we could be here and develop hatred, you know, but we could also develop care. You know? And so that's the path. And so it's for you to see what is the, what is the best way. And the, it's not just a decision-making. It's a deep, hard, lifetime practice to actually clarify this. So I'm absolutely not suggesting that uh, you know, we should all be enlightened in two seconds. You know, it's, it, no, it's a little bit harder than that. You know? And, uh, yeah? Well, what about mourning? Mourning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not like I'm not suggesting in any way that you should. Yeah, people go, you know, <laughs> gone, permanent. That's how it is. This is disconnected. This is not like this. The Buddha, when he lost his two best friends, uh, two weeks apart, two people he had been traveling all his life with, they died two weeks apart. And somebody asked him something like how he was doing and stuff. And he said, it's like the moon and the sun had disappeared from the earth, from the sky, you know. That's not a small statement. He's not saying, like, it's all rosy and oh, whatever, you know. He's not saying this is like, imagine if there was no more moon and sun, you know. And he was saying, this is how I feel. I feel like there's no more moon and sun. But maybe, and so that's what we have to to see for ourselves is if there is clinging it's very different than to acknowledge wow there was these lives that were so dear so beautiful so loved these lives you know and they're gone they're gone so maybe this is non-clinging and the clinging could be like why why they should be you know and so that's probably a process here where the you know and so we know that. And so p- some people will describe this. They're like, wow, there was a part where it was really, there was no acceptance, you know. And now there's acceptance. So the m- there, is, there is a heaviness, or there is a, something poignant about it, but I'm not suffering from it. I'm carrying this. All to explore, all to explore. I've certainly seen both uh, experiences in my own heart, you know when I'm clinging to something and when I'm actually meeting thing, uh, thing. And so mourning can be, uh, there's probably a way that we can accompany, our, accompany ourselves in mourning so that we go from uh, 
a morning that has clinging to it mm. to one that has deep acceptance. It doesn't mean the thing didn't, uh, didn't have value or the person. Or it means there's a capacity to be with it. I don't know if you recognize something like this in you. Well, I'm thinking of a friend whose husband died, and she said a nurse told her it might take her four years to get over her mind, and it did. And it it felt right that she could allow herself to take four years. Yeah. If that's that's what it needed. Yeah. Um. And so she wasn't saying the next day or the next week, well, the sun, it's like the sun and the moon are gone. She was, she was right with yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's to me. It seems like it's the practice to accompany oneself where we are. So the Buddha didn't say, "When you cling, you shouldn't cling." He said, "When you cling, you should be really aware of like the mind that." And so, yeah, we can go to the big things, but I think it's useful to watch it in the little things. You know, when I cling to an opinion, you know, you should have, you know. I remember I was working with somebody who thought I, the way I've been uh, uh, educated or the way it was in my family is that very, it was going to be very like uh, a little thing. You know. In my family, when the bathroom was not used, the door was open. So we always knew we, the bathroom was not used because the door was open. And I was working with somebody for her, the bathroom door always had to be closed. This was like horrible if the, the bathroom door was open. So you had two views. It was really interesting for us to work together in clinging. You know, I clung to the door being open. So I made sure it was open when I was finished with the bathroom. And she clung to the fact that it should be closed, you know. And we were enough people, two of us, to create hell. <laughs> around one small clinging you know? and you can have the same situation and you replace clinging with non-clinging and understanding and then what arises generosity, benevolence I'm going to close the door she likes it closed it makes her feel safe she recognizes the world <laughs> you know? she's not confused it's not insulting you know? so I'm going to clo- and she might say "Oh, I'm going to leave it a little open for Pascal so he knows you know? <laughs> he's going to feel safe that he's not you know, interrupting somebody, you know, <laughs> you know, so it's very small, but it actually, I think there's a lot of these things happening in the world, you know, and so it's good to recognize the clinging uh, mind. Yeah, we're going, uh, it's the, the seasons, life is changing. So, shall we just sit for a few minutes and just experience life directly and see uh, what's going to be there here? And so there's a body sitting uh, here. And can it be allowed to be this body in this shape today? There's a mind also that is in this shape. It has this uh, texture, feel to it. It might be spacious or rigid or activated or quiet. 
can that be okay? Notice if uh, you think the mind is clinging or non-clinging right now. Just in your own way, in your own observation. I have one teacher, uh, she would say, if you think about something three times in one hour or something like this, you're probably clinging. It might be worth watching how you're holding this particular theme or aspect of your reality. We're inviting some quality of presence, presence that is uh, that is not scattered, or hooked on a story. We're inviting a presence that has quietness to it and care, friendliness, maybe. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. suggest that one form of a very subtle form of clinging is the mind that uh, where the attention gets taken fascinated kidnapped by thoughts we get lost so it might be a way that clinging form of clinging the mind gets fascinated 
by a story told and it leaves the body in the present moment gets reborn in some fiction having a conversation with somebody somewhere else and it's deluded it doesn't know that this is not happening really that this is made up clings to thoughts as real Notice if you want how you can allow sounds to come and go. This is a form of non-clinging. Just letting sounds appear, pass, or exist. Sounds might be neutral, but they might be uh, pleasant to hear or unpleasant to hear, but the mind doesn't cling. It allows them to be known, be felt. And pass. We find a deep uh, ease that is not related to uh, having what we want. That is unconditional. Okay, thanks for your uh, consideration. There's a lot uh, that should keep us uh, engaged for the week <laughs> or a lifetime. Um, uh, thanks, Julie, for inviting me, for creating this space. And as we walk out, there's two boxes. One is to uh, uh, support uh, the center here that is offering this space for us to practice. 
and the other box is to uh, support the teacher. I happen to be this one today, this version. So if you think it has value, this has value, these meetings have value, it's good to give it value. <laughs> it's certainly very, uh, very, uh, appreciate, very much appreciated. Thank you very much. You. See you, you soon. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.